Welcome to The Link. We'll go behind the scenes with local businesses and community leaders, learning their mindset and motivations that make them successful. We'll link you with those making an impact in central Minnesota. Welcome to The Link. This is our fifth episode where we are interviewing St. Cloud Central Minnesota local business owners, nonprofits, local leaders. And today I'm excited to join Scott Weeder of The Blue Line here. Thanks for joining us, Scott. Welcome. You're welcome, Brandon. <laughs> I don't know if you can put me in that category of leaders, but thank you. Well, I think I think definitely a <laughs> local leader for sure. Um Thanks for taking your time. You just got back from a little bit of a trip, but itching to get back to work like I think most entrepreneurs are, right? You know, if, uh, if I considered it work, I wouldn't be doing it, right? to be honest. Well, let's, I mean, you alluded to it. Let's just start there. I think um, the nature of the grind or the process um, in my industry also versus um, the actual seeing it as work makes it you can work harder when it's not work mm -hmm. and the love of what you do um maybe talk a little allude to what you were getting at there well in my little area over at the blue line it's known as weederisms and, and one of them is if you're not happy with where you're going in the morning you need to find somewhere else to go right. it's that simple and um i truly i've been fortunate in my entire professional career i was in the wireless business cell phone business for 23 years uh, restaurant business for 13. Um, I've been very, very fortunate to wake up every day looking forward to where I'm going. Uh, it's as simple as that. I've, I've never felt as though I ha I've had a job. Um, I've loved what I've, I've done. Uh, the people around me, uh, and it's like in any business, the, yep. the, the team really makes or breaks the organization. And I've been fortunate enough to currently be on two great teams. And I've been uh, a part of, of great teams in the past as well. Culture, right? It's all, it's, that's what it's all about. It all, it all starts on the ground floor. Yeah. And I think you've, I've noticed from whenever I walk in here, obviously the blue line's located close proximity to where we are here. Um, but when you walk in, the vast majority of the time, if not always, you're greeted with a warm welcome, smiling face. And I think, is that, obviously, is that something you've been conscious to implement the from the customer experience, that's very important. I think that's noticeable versus other restaurants. I'd like to think so, but it's not as direct as telling people to do it. Um, you know, it, it, again, another, it sounds cliche, but you lead by example. Yep. I still, to this day, have people remind me of 13 years ago when they walked in the blue line and, and we had it. Uh, that I shook their hand and thanked them for coming in. And I just thought that was the right thing to do. It wasn't premeditated, it wasn't planned, um, but it, it, it's just being real, um, appreciating the fact that people have choices and they can go anywhere the hell they want yep. and they chose to come to our place. And it's all part, part of that hospitality experience. Yep. You know, we, want, we, expect an expect, we have an expectation of an experience when we go out and at the blue line, we try to make it as, as human as possible. Now, I'll be the first to admit, we fail with the best of them. Trust me. <laughs> yeah. I, can, I can list them off. But yep. I can tell you that the, the effort is genuine, and we, we try to live by a, a certain mission each and every day. And, and our mission is as simple as pie, but it, it's really strong that um, 
we it's our job to provide our guests all guests yeah. an extraordinary extraordinary experience every time all the time it's as simple as that yeah. if, if we can knock that out of the park we're doing really well well and i think and i'm speaking out of line most certainly in the food industry but i think the the first knee-jerk reaction is you got to have great food right um but i think from my perspective that's almost a given and that the reason people will continue if the food's bad no one's going to come back no matter what the right um but i think you got to start there as that's a given but what creates an environment where people want to come back and come back is the overall experience right exactly it is and and food you know, I, I compare it, and you can ask anybody on my team because they see this all the time. It's it's a it's a three-legged stool approach, and if you imagine a three-legged stool, it needs all three legs to be solid to sure. stand, right? Sure. Well, on the seat of that stool is the guest. One leg is service, one leg is food, and one one leg is presentation. And what when I say presentation, it's what the place looks like. Yep. If one of those legs breaks, that stool falls over, and the guest experience is done. And yep. so it's it's all of our everybody that works at the blue line from the janitor to me and all points in between have control and or influence over all three aspects yep. of those business. Absolutely. And I think what that makes me think of is I was just driving around with my girls here last week and convenience stores, gas stations. And to me, they're, you know, a relative commodity. Um, but there's one here locally that, my daughters are fond of and it's because and i asked them why and it's the restrooms are always clean <laughs> and i don't think of that but i think when you bring up the three-prong approach if there's one piece that's out of line or if there's one piece that stands out above mm -hmm. the rest that's where you're going to get people saying i want to go to the blue line i want to go to this convenient etc so i think that's kind of oh. an astute observation that just made me think of that um Let's back up. We'll come back to um, more business talk. But tell me a little bit. You're originally from Packerland, Wisconsin. Go, um, go Pack Go. Where, whereabouts in Wisconsin? I grew up in a town called Cudahy, which is a suburb of Milwaukee. Okay. My wife, Esther, slash business partner, slash best friend, is from La Crosse, Wisconsin. So east and west. East and west. I went to school in La Crosse. Uh, she was home from school. She went to Madison. I happened to meet her the night before my graduation, my college graduation, okay. which is way weird. And there's a, there's a whole story behind that. But um, fast forward, uh, I got a, my first job out of college was selling cars, believe it or not. Yeah. I had a degree in finance. I thought I was going to be some banker dude, yeah. um, which in, in retrospect, I'm glad didn't work <laughs> out. Um, anyway, I started selling cars. I, I did that for six months and I hated it. But I learned a ton. And um, when I say I learned a ton, I learned a ton about selling. And I wasn't able to be successful in that job until I was able to accept the fact that I was a salesman. Because we all have a perception of car salespeople, especially sure. 35 years ago. For sure. And I was one of them. Yeah. And I had a hard time convincing myself that I was. But once I was able to convince myself I was a salesman, uh, things started to take off got out of the car business and I got into the cellular telephone business in rural Wisconsin. This was back in 88, 89. So this is when 
cell phones are two by four. I mean, I remember early 90s where they're, I mean, they're huge, right? There was no, the only cell phone available in 1989 was installed into your car, hard mount into your car. Yep. The, the, the next evolution were called transportables, and that's people know them as brick phones or bag phones. Yep. So they evolved from there. But when I started selling them way back when, I was selling service in rural Wisconsin when there was no service. I was selling a pipe dream, basically, yep. for yep. a year. So there, you're you're not only selling you're you're educate you have to educate what the it, heck it, it a was, cell phone is. It was educational back then. Yeah. Um, and so for a year, I I I never made a sale because I had nothing to sell. <laughs> right. And then we turned on our first three towers, and then it just took off from there, and and um, had stints uh, in a couple areas in Wisconsin, out to Montana for a while. Um, my youngest daughter was actually born in Montana, uh, back to Wisconsin. Uh, Are you three... selling these? You're probably not selling these, I don't know, to the everyday consumer. Are you selling them to no, corporations? Back, back then it was purely a business play. Yeah. It was a lot more expensive back then. For sure. But there, there was some value there, especially from a, you know, our, our primary market was the obvious back then. It was contractors, yeah. you know, farmers, that kind of thing. But, yeah. um, you know, it's, it's become more commercial obviously and for good or bad reasons you know and nowadays with everybody on their phone like this you know I, I i guess i am kind of responsible but i'm i'm one that doesn't even like that anymore you know these phones we we live with them now we need them to live and and they're the remote control of our lives who would have envisioned that 30 years ago yeah. when i first started in this business yeah. you know so um yeah i did it for a very long time and and uh was uh, built a number of networks, sold a bunch of networks, uh, ended up in Minnesota. Uh, that's what brought us to St. Cloud. I went to work for a, call, a company called St. Cloud Wireless Holdings. Uh, St. Cloud Wireless Holdings owned Cellular 2000 of St. Cloud and yeah. owned a Sprint affiliate called Northern PCS. But to the general consumer, we tasted and felt and touched and, or, and, and smelled like Sprint. So, sure. Um, so you're selling, are you in lacrosse at that point? No, or? I'm here. This is when we came to St. Cloud. Okay. That's what brought us to St. Cloud. Gotcha. And so the opportunity to be, have ownership or partnership in that or just selling again? No, I, I mean, I, it was just it, natural professional progression. Um, gotcha. You know, I was, I was hired as a, uh, at a, a C-level position here and, and um, you know, basically ran the sales and marketing arm of, of uh, Northern PCS. Which ultimately we sold to Sprint. And now this brings us yep. to the blue line. Yep. So what year did you, were things starting to shift where you said it's time for a change or are we talking early 2000s? Or? It wasn't a time for a change. I, again, I loved what I did. Yeah. But where they wanted me to go, I really wasn't all the, that in tune with. This goes back to 2004 when Sprint acquired Nextel, which ultimately, long story short, they ultimately acquired us in 2005, knowing that Sprint would, their, the world, was on the, their world headquarters was yeah. down in Overland Park, Kansas. I had a daughter in high school, a, a daughter in middle school at that time. We had no desire to move. And you knew you, it was inevitable if you wanted to stay. If I wanted to stay with Sprint, which I had the opportunity, yep. but of course it was in Overland Park, Kansas. So in 2006, actually March um, 19th, no, March 20th of 2006, we bought the Blue Line. Um, 
as an attempt to stay here, really. Yep. Um, went into it with zero restaurant experience, um, which was kind of crazy in and of itself. But we sure, thought it was an opportunity. What was it? Were there other options? Yes. How did you stumble upon the Blue Line? I mean, was it just restaurants? I no. mean, what were what was your? I had a partner at that time, and we looked. It was not industry specific. We were just looking for the best opportunity, and yep. and as any prudent business person would do, they build a business plan to help them to, de to make a decision as to what kind of opportunity this was. And I mean, we were in all industries. I mean, from the, the, the lodging in industry to, um, you know, restaurant, uh, small manufacturer, uh, office equipment, uh, bill, uh, supplier. Um, I, I, we looked at a lot of stuff. Yeah. And, and actually how we found out about the Blue Line, I had never been up here before. Yeah. I mean, we didn't move to St. Cloud till 2000, and the Blue Line Sartell didn't open till 2004. But I lived on the south side of St. Cloud. My partner heard about it and heard it was for sale. They were open about a year and it, it was a, Was it a group of people that initially started it? Or it how? was a, two couples. Okay. Two couples. And then early in the process, one couple got out and then it was a single couple running it and, and fell on some hard times and then ended up putting up for sale less than a year. In, 2005, in, 2006? Well, they put it up for sale in December 2005. Okay. And then we ultimately bought it in, in March of 2006. And so um, that was an interesting time because I'm trying to learn the restaurant business <laughs> along with I was still working full time in the cell business. Yeah. And that went on for two years, actually. And then um, came back to the Blue Line full time. Ironically, the owners of the company that uh, sold to Sprint held a license. They still held a license. Okay contacted me to start another cellular company in town. Really? Um, and I agreed to help them. Um, I don't know if you, you remember a company called Max Wireless. Well, then we changed their name to Duet. Yes, Internet I Informant. remember. They had a, I remember Duet. All right. Well, that was us. We, okay. we started that company, and I told them, I'll give you a year. Didn't you have a kiosk in the mall yeah, or something in the had, mall? Yeah. Had, you know, and then we had a store right outside the mall. Anyway, I told them I'd give them a year. Uh, three years later... Um, still there. During that time frame, we also opened up our second location, the Blue Line, Blue Line Self. Yes. So I got two restaurant gigs going and, and this wireless thing going on all at the same time, which, you know, something had to be suffering somewhere, but right. nobody, nobody was brave enough to tell me where it was. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, no, I consider it my retirement date. November 30th, 2012, I retired from the cellular industry. And now... Um, we've got two so restaurants. So you can focus and give your full attention to... And now I've got two restaurants and that, uh, you know, my wife and I take care of. We have a general manager up here in Sartell who is awesome. And, and Penny. Penny. Yep. And, you know, the, the relationship between Esther and I is she kind of works in, in the business and, and I kind of work on. Um, the worst part about having two is the fact that when we only had Sartell, I actually had two shifts a week behind the bar. I can't do that anymore. And I, and I love that. Yeah. I really love doing that. I just don't have the time to do that anymore. Right. And so, um, you know, now we're here today and, and having two, I, I say successful restaurants because they're still open. <laughs> you know, people, I say, well, how are things going? And that's my yeah. response. We're still open. Yep. You know, because as you and I talked off, off camera before, you know, we've had some issues here in town. And most recently, Old Chicago shutting down, um, Granite City having 
going, uh, declaring bankruptcy. And, and there's some other things happening in town that haven't been public yet, yeah. but, uh, you know, the, the restaurant industry isn't as, as easy as everybody thinks. Well, what's your take on that from just a macro, maybe not, obviously not St. Cloud specific, but is it, um, is it brand fatigue? Is it lack of focus on the consumer? Is it just more options? Um, people eating out less? What's kind of, what's your gut feel just living it every day? People aren't eating out less. Yeah. The opportunity is still there. Um, you know, we, we could say locally, and when I, I pertain to the state, the political environment, um, you know, our, our labor laws are not conducive to restaurant owners, specifically yeah. in Minnesota. Um, we've just endured our third uh, minimum wage hike in three years. Yeah. Um, the robust economy that we are, are enjoying right now has really dwindled the employment field. For sure. So it's it's getting tougher and tougher to find people to work. Yep. <laughs> and we're in the commodity business. You know, uh, one week your your hamburger could be you know buck eighty nine a pound, and the next week it's yep. two thirty nine a pound. Yep. And and so it, it gets interesting in in managing you know the margin. Yep. Um, you know, I think those are the big factors as as to why some of these other players are having problems. I I, I know for a fact there's restaurants from out of state that don't come to Minnesota because of the whole labor situation. Um, we're at an unfair advantage in Minnesota. We're only one of eight states which don't, we don't have what's called a tip credit law. And what that says is basically a server has to make at the end of the day minimum wage, sure. wage plus tip. Sure. And if, if they don't make minimum wage, you have to, you have to you make, make up, up, up difference. that difference. Yep. Well, in Minnesota, their minimum wage and tips on top of it. And so you can understand that a server in Wisconsin that I'm very familiar with how yeah. they get paid over there, yeah. you know, they're making three or four bucks an hour wage wise, but they're, they're clearing enough in tips where I know the, 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 the owner or the, the corporation, whatever's running the, op, the option or uh, running the outfit isn't having to pay the difference, yeah. you know? Um, so you can understand in Minnesota, we're, we're paying 10 bucks an hour and in Wisconsin, they're paying four. That's, that's a huge difference. And I've had conversations with some of our, our local lawmakers and I'm not an advocate of, of bringing minimum wage down for servers to four or five bucks an hour, but the people that really suffer in this, in this game are the people that work really hard in the back of the house, your cooks, yeah. you yeah. know, those guys and gals work their tails off making food the best they can yep. and and not really reaping the rewards they should yep. and so for my opinion I, I, I didn't expect this conversation to go political in nature <laughs> no, it's, no no it's no. really not no but i wouldn't if if something happened in minnesota which i i certainly support my payroll's not going down my payroll's shifting yeah that's what's going to happen yeah um let me just a little bit kind of what i've seen on be curious to get your take because um here, I just notice as we get people in the office, lunches, and okay, where are they gonna, the topic is where are we gonna eat today, and the phenomenon of the Postmates, the Grubhubs, all the delivery food dudes, I think, um, and your response gets into that. I'm curious, because I kinda see how that plays out from a margin standpoint and how they get paid. I'm just curious, is there, I'm just curious to get your thoughts on the opportunity on, maybe what you call for lack of a better phrase, a virtual kitchen. 
meaning, uh, or if you've heard of this, I've meaning heard of it, yep. someone setting up a commercial kitchen and just having a brand. They don't have customers come in and it's just all delivery. So theoretically, they have a brand under a Mexican theme. Mm-hmm. They serve pizza. They make everything under the, and they're just strictly delivery. Mm-hmm. Is that, I'm just curious to get your thoughts on the viability or is that a pipe dream or... No, I think it's viable um, in St. Cloud, Minnesota. No, uh, you know maybe in Minneapolis. Yep. And and the reason for that is because people, in my humble opinion, people here do go out for the experience. Yep. Um, you know, delivery. I consider delivery a necessary evil. Uh, once that food leaves a restaurant, we lose complete control, and we have a lot of issues with that. And yeah. and you know, is it did it go out wrong? Most of the time, not. Did the driver eat some of my fries? Did the <laughs> right? Did they knock over the bag in in in, yep. in the vehicle? Uh, they run, uh, you know. They have to slam on the brakes and everything went flying. And it, it's it's again, it's just one of those necessary evils. And it's a trend in the industry. More and more people are doing it. I mean, we see our sales. We we don't deliver personally. Uh, we have we contract through Food Dudes. That's yep. the only one because I don't want to deal with anymore i mean grubhub's knocking on our door DoorDash, and all yep. this other kind of thing yep um we deal with food dudes dave does a nice job but i feel it's like it's one of those necessary evils if i didn't have you to you lose do it, control of the experience because unlike well, there is no experience first of all but then it comes down to only food right and you lose complete control yep. of that you know if somebody orders a um, a medium rare burger well when that burger's sitting in that to-go pack yeah. it's still cooking so by the time it gets to the to the uh, the customer location, it's yeah. it's probably medium, if not medium well, by that point. Right. And but they ordered a medium rare burger. Yeah. Well, we can't really stop it at rare, hoping it's going to be medium rare by the time it gets there. Yep. You know, so it, it's it's. I, I was just curious because everything now is kind of a lot of trends are towards the instant, oh, yeah. um, online, automation. Yeah. for everything whether it's food or anything but i just thought of that as how does that flare just like you said maybe in a downtown minneapolis world where there's you know that virtual kitchen concept is is unique i've read about it i haven't seen one or been yeah. to one i've only read about it and you know i could see that it's basically you get a few restaurants subbing out from this one kitchen and it's it's an economies of scale kind of play um It'd be interesting to see. I, like I said, I haven't seen one, but I know there there's popping up. There's one in California. I want to say there's one in Las Vegas, but I guess the jury's still out on that. Yeah, and it'll be interesting because I think as more as the consumer behavior gets more to just the use, they get used to just pushing a button and whatever they want arrives. If that translates into food or not, uh, but well, like, it does. you can order online on our website. And it's yeah. as simple as that. You can place an order. You don't have to call in. Just play take it. 30 seconds yep. to place an order online and have it yep. delivered by food dudes. Yep. Um, getting back to the blue line specifically, I heard this is probably a few years ago. Um, you spoke, I believe it was a junior achievement um, banquet here in town or fundraiser just on the process of hiring. Um, does that ring just kind yeah. of some of your interviewing? And I, I just found that to me, it was very interesting. If you want to maybe, if, that's are you talking about wearing your seatbelt question yes yeah go there (laughs) go yeah tell that story if you want well it's you know there's there's no magic to the interview especially nowadays these you know we're dealing with as as opposed to what you're dealing you're more professional adults well that's debatable Uh, but (laughs) (laughs) 
I'm assuming for Yeah, real. gotcha. No, I got But, you know, we deal with younger folks, generally. Yeah. And these younger folks are getting smart. They know how to interview. And it's, and it's hard to see through them. Um, and I think... The, do you even do resumes anymore? Do they even... I never. I don't ask for matter. one. Matter of fact, if you apply online at the Blue Line, I don't even. I don't even ask for where you used to work. Yeah. Um, I just ask for the basics, and then then we bring you in and, and sit you down and and it's ask you some simple questions. It's just a gut feel, looking you eye to eye in the eye, right? I mean, at the end of the day, that's really what it comes down to. You know, there's certain there's certain characteristics you try to look for, and, and you referenced my my discussion at junior achievement. But one of the, the questions I asked during the interview is I asked them if they wear their seatbelt. I'm looking for a reaction. That's all I'm looking for. It's a stupid ass question. Um, they're wondering where you're coming up with this. What do you know about them? You know, but you're just looking for a reaction and, and their reaction tells me a lot about them, you know? So I, I've got suit, certain questions like that is I'm just looking to see how they react. And, you know, there's some situational stuff too that we yeah. try to mix into the interview just to get a feel, you know, when, when they're the face of my business on a daily basis, I have to have a certain level of confidence that it's going to be taken care of to a certain degree. Right. And so uh, we, we can't just be plopping anybody in there. Um, and we've been fortunate. We've, you know, I, I mentioned earlier, we've got two great teams. Um, the, the thing I'm proud, most proud of is the tenure we have. You know, in the restaurant business, turnover is pretty high. Oh, I can't imagine. Well, our average tenure is four and a half years, which is crazy. I've got, I just had uh, Doris, who we love, um, retired last September. She was with us. Uh, well, she started at the Blue Land the day it opened. Okay. Wow. I've got two guys here in Sartell right now, Steve, who our kitchen manager, and Rick yeah. uh, works the kitchen and the bar, been with me for 13 yeah. years. Um, there's... Five people at Blue Line South have been with us since we opened it, um, which was seven and a half years ago. And there's a, a number of people in that that four to seven year range. Sure. So, um, th you know, that's I'm most proud of that because people tend to stick around. They certainly aren't getting overpaid. You can ask any one of them. <laughs> you know? But you know, it's it, it's it's a family business, and Esther and I. They obviously enjoy... Well, we treat them like family. You know, it comes yeah. down to it's just pure mutual respect, you know, and, and honesty. Um, so many, you hear so many horror stories in the restaurant business about, you know, leading with the iron fist and and disrespectful sexual harassment and all this kind of crap. Sure. You know, that's not us. Um, you mentioned culture earlier. Our, our, our culture is real. It's yeah. value-based. Um, you know, we, we try to be upfront and honest with everybody in, in our, well, I shouldn't say try, we are in our business. Yep. And it's just, it's mutual respect. It goes, it's just, it's, it go back go back to treating others the way you expect to be treated yourself. Yeah. It's that simple. And what you kind of touched on earlier and the same in our industry is shit happens. I mean, there's no way around it. It's just, I think if people can see your intent, to me, that's the biggest thing. And mm -hmm. what you kind of t alluded to was not necessarily how they answered the what they answered to the question, how did they react, tells you a lot right. on that. And to me, intent is everything. Is everyone makes mistakes, everyone screws stuff up. What is your what is the underlying intent? And I think that comes through to the customer. You know, what are you gonna do to make it right? Right. Mm -hmm. um, and then it gets down to authenticity. Is it just lip service, or is it? Are you generally concerned about their experience? So be real. I tell them all, be real. Yep. Simple as that. Yep. Mm -hmm. um, 
the restaurant industry's gotta be. You talk about being married, labor of love, and being married to. You have to enjoy it, mm-hmm. and so there's. I can't imagine. You know, late hours, closing bar time. Aside from all the sweat that goes into it, what is the biggest reward or what's your biggest joy of not necessarily the industry itself, but the Blue Line South, Blue Line Sartell? What are you, what gets you most excited? What are you most proud of about the Blue Line specifically? It's about the Blue Line people and the thing I get most excited slash appreciative of slash emotional over is when somebody current or former um, comes back to me and, and, and thanks me for teaching them something. And, and it could be whatever, but, um, you Not know, industry I've, related or it's about growing up yeah. and about being, being real. Um, you know, I've, I've got a lot of professional years under my belt. And I think I have some experiences that I, I, I know I do have experiences that I use each and every day. And, and I tried to, I tr- tried to teach that to my team. Um, and when, when they actually pick up on it, that, uh, that gets me, that really gets me. And it, 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 it you can't not get emotional or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Well, it's apparent to me, I mean, we talked about here about being part of the community and having an impact, and I think the Blue Line's always been a leader, whether that's, we just talked here, the Pathways for Youth 5 for 5, or every time there's something in the community, I mean, it's inevitable. The Blue Line's a lot of times a part of that, and I think that um, means a lot to me, and I think it means a lot to the community members that, hey, this just isn't, we're not operate yes you're operating a business too mm-hmm. but this is your the whole community is family in a sense i mean all the fundraisers maybe talk about some i mean you're doing fundraisers all the time for different nonprofits, <laughs> yeah, right yep, coming in and yep. just speak to how that fits into your business as well too well it it just it came out of everybody calling for something and in gen well to this day we still pretty much give Something to just about everyone. Yeah. But, um, you know, let's, say, let's figure out how to take, how, how, how this can be mutually beneficial. And yeah. so it just just an idea that we started, we take a not so busy night and turn it into a busy night. Yeah. And then basically give away our margin. So yeah. um, we schedule, um, I'm trying to think, we just had one with the, the Sartell Music Association last week. Yeah. It was last week, Monday. I believe it was Monday. And from five to eight, they advertise it to, to their network of, of friends, family, et cetera. Yep. Uh, so between five and eight, whoever came in and ate and drank, 20% of the gross yep. went back to Sartell. And you do that a lot for a lot of organizations, right? Um, we probably do at least 30 to 40 a year wow. at each location. Wow. I, yeah. And, that, and that's just part of it. You know, we're involved in a, in a, a lot of other things too, but that, that's just how Esther and I are and have been yeah. you know um it's it, there's no uh hidden agenda it's it's not some guerrilla marketing scheme of some sort you know it's just you know we got it let's give it yeah you know i've always said i just if i got miller light in my refrigerator and gas in my boat that's really all i need <laughs> i'm not I'm, that's, yeah. I, I don't need a lot yeah. you know and so we generally uh, esther and i give quite a bit back well i and I, it's definitely apparent and it shows and i think 
Um, you know, and that's what we try to in our industry. But I think we talked about businesses coming and going and brands. I think the companies, the people that are intertwined fabric in the community are the ones I think, you know, giving back. I think the community gives back to you by taking mm -hmm. care of you as well too. And so For I sure. think that's what we've tried to model after and it's apparent with you and Esther and the blue line mm -hmm. as well too. So thank you. Um, Scott, thanks for coming in. It's been fun to nice. get to know a little bit more about the Blue Line. Uh, what's your website, Blue Line? BlueLineBar.com. BlueLineBar.com, Instagram, mm -hmm. Facebook. Instagram, Check them Facebook. Out. Uh, I, it, I don't do it, but it's out there. Trust me. Every once in a while, we <laughs> see your goofy videos. and We're going to be putting one together at night. It's bingo night, so we're going to do a bingo night video. Cool. Blue Line <laughs> South, Roosevelt Road. Yep, County Road and 75. County Road 75 and Blue Line Sartell, intersection is second, and Pinecone. Right next to Voight Johnson. There you go. Thanks, guys. Hey, thank you so much for listening. It means a lot to us. If you really liked hearing the link, please subscribe below, and I look forward to you joining us next time.